real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N.com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is an award-winning entrepreneur, best-selling author, public speaker, and a drummer. Welcome to the show, Renee Warren. Well, thanks for having me. I love that she threw in the drummer in there. <laughs> it's not a big part of what I do, but it's 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 something that is part of who I've become. And yeah, I love drumming. <laughs> Well, actually, I threw that in there because I'm a drummer too, and right. you don't find female drummers very often. So, <laughs> no, you don't. And I only started this like almost two years ago, and oh, it's something okay. I've been wanting to do. And I picked up some sticks and I hired an instructor, and I went from beginner to intermediate to advanced drumming in a, a time span of like three or four months because oh wow it's like something I should have started a long time ago but for some reason didn't so here I am yep wow <laughs> yeah I, I started when I was 13 um yeah and but I had to sell my drum set because it was too loud apparently for neighbors anyway but now I'm in a house now and I'm hoping to get like an electric set where I can use headphones and then because I like to play to music but um yeah. <laughs> do you have any videos yeah. or anything of you playing well I just have some on um Instagram but with COVID it's like some of the instructors aren't even like allowed to hold my phone to take pictures I'm like take a video of me uh -huh. um but I got a quick one of me playing Nirvana last week, which was fun. But oh, wow. no, not really much. And I used to have an electric drum set at home too, which was fun. Um, <laughs> because what I love about them is you can just change the the tones and the sounds. You can be like jazz and then you can be rock and then you can be like African and it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to check out your Instagram then and and watch those videos. <laughs> Yeah, well, there might they might have been a story. I'll have to pull them up. I'll send you a link when I find okay. the videos. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Well, we're not here to talk about drumming, but I just had to have a have a little conversation about drumming, especially with another female drummer, because that's pretty rare. So, actually, my favorite band, um, is Skillet. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they have a female drummer, and she's so cool. good. But anyway, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, cool. Well, um, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you got into being an entrepreneur and a business coach and getting into PR? Yeah. So I started a restaurant when I was 17 years old with my sister because I thought that entrepreneurship meant you made a lot of money, but you didn't work a lot of hours, <laughs> which ended up being the opposite. <laughs> so talk about pre preconceived notions. 
And then I followed the journey of going to college and I traveled, but there was something in me that just still wanted to um, be an entrepreneur. And I remember when I was 18 years old, I was sitting in the back of my English teacher's um, class, Mrs. Green. And it was the first time I realized that I needed to get glasses because I couldn't see the chalkboard. I was in I was in high school when we used chalkboards and I couldn't see what she was writing. So I actually started making my life plan. And part of it was to run a successful marketing agency. And so I did. Um, and I launched one, closed it, co-founded another one, sold it. And then my last PR agency was a very successful award-winning PR agency. We had clients from South Africa to San Diego. And that was just, it was a journey. It was an evolution. It was like the first couple drafts of what I was doing were just not good. They were crappy first drafts, but I refined my process, expanded my team, really honed in on who we were targeting and our messaging. So we attracted some really incredible funded technology companies. We worked with them exclusively. And yeah, that was my, I guess you can say I've almost always been an entrepreneur other than the part-time jobs I had during college. Like I worked at Pizza Hut and an antique furniture store. <laughs> but those, it's funny though, I talk about those things, the lessons I learned in process and systems, especially working in a franchised company, I've definitely applied some of those principles to my own business. So like pizza, I don't know if you ever worked at Pizza Hut before or something similar, how many pepperonis go on a small pizza? There's like 27 pepperonis per small pizza and they have this like ring they put on the pan to make sure the crust is the exact same size every single time. It's really, really fascinating how they have their systems down. Boom, 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 boom. We think of it as like just Pizza Hut, but if you go into like a Pizza Hut in Canada or a Pizza Hut in Texas, you're going to get the same product. And that's the point. Just like McDonald's all over the world. If you order a Big Mac where they serve Big Macs, it's going to taste the same no matter where you are. So those part-time jobs definitely taught me um, customer service. They taught me punctuality. They taught me process, which have I've now applied to my businesses to become a successful entrepreneur. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have really thought about the, the systems within Pizza Hut and these different types of businesses. But it makes sense because if you want it to taste the same, uh, it needs to be made the exact same way with the same ingredients and same number of pepperonis. Oh, next time. Okay. Now I feel like going to Pizza Hut, getting a small pizza and counting and making sure. Well, I don't remember. I don't remember because that was like 2002. So I don't remember exactly how many pepperonis, but they were very, like it was very precise. Okay. A small, medium, large had, if you ordered pepperoni, there was a very specific amount and they had measured cups for like toppings. So if you wanted olives on a medium pizza, there was a cup that was for medium pizzas for olives and you'd scoop it on. It was to control product so that we weren't, you know, overindulging um, because you have to look at your margins in business. And that's what the franchise does. They know how profitable they can be based on their cost of goods sold, which is the olives, which is the pepperoni. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, and you also have a book called Get Covered. Is that correct? Yeah, Get Covered, How to Craft Pitch and Tell Your Startup Story um, to Get More Customers. Yeah, I wrote that probably two, three-ish years now. Um, 
And the whole idea was at the time when I ran that my PR agency, we had a successful blog. We had like over 20,000 unique visitors to our website every month because we had really great content. And I thought, why don't we just take our top blog posts, put them in this succinct order and create a book? Well, that's not how you write a book. <laughs> and so the process <laughs> of writing the book ended up taking us much longer because we went backwards. Um, but it ends up being like the download of, 20 years of marketing experience, really focused on PR and content in one book. It's an easy read. It's actionable. Um, it definitely helps you understand the PR space and landscape and how to do it for yourself. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about PR. Um, what, I guess, what tips do you have on, I mean, how does someone even begin to approach that process? Yes. Okay. I love this topic because it's very intimidating. When people think of PR, they think of pitching the radio. They think of pitching editors to be in magazines. Um, they think of pitching to be on people's podcasts. And a lot of this is true. That is PR. PR is a much bigger picture to the puzzle. We think of PR as a way to help with our SEO, um, with traffic, with gaining trust, because we know that earned media is the most trusted form of media. Um, to get started, I always say, start by creating your media kit. And people are like, why start there? Because it forces you to be organized. It forces you to know the messaging. It forces you to have all of the digital assets you need ready for when you actually start pitching. And while you're doing that, also start creating your media list. And this is how you do it. You, you take, I use Google Spreadsheet and the top 10 dream publications. I write those at the top who like what would just be huge for me for me personally it'd be like forbes business insider wired um fast company um canadian living in canada um and so you take those top 10 and you start you find a contact for each and then you let it sit there and you do nothing with it and then what you do is you go to tier two publications so the smaller distribute the ones that have smaller distribution and you, you find who they are. So an example would be like a really popular blog, like the HubSpot blog, if you're in the marketing world, is one of the best marketing blogs. That might be a tier two. And you start finding, you know, five to 10 tier two publications. The most important thing, these are channels in which your ideal customer hang out. Don't be pitching HubSpot if you're trying to sell lingerie because it's not going to work there unless you're actually talking about your marketing plan and you'll just attract marketers. So think about your ideal customer specifically. Who is this person? What do they do? How much do they earn? What is the main problem that you're solving for? What do they read and why do they read it? Or what do they listen to and why do they listen to it? You find those channels and you find the contacts within those channels and you start following them on social media, Twitter, Instagram, wherever they hang out and start getting a sense of what is called their beat. A beat for a journalist is the content that they typically write about, right? So you might get like John Smith at some auto magazine and his beat is talking about refurbished Ford trucks. That is so specific. But if you're in the business of something to do with refurbished Ford, old Ford trucks, he's the guy you want to pitch, right? So you find their beat, what they talk about. Um, it could be in fashion. It could be in nutrition. It could be in exercise. It could be in parenting. So you know who your target market is. You know what you're selling, the problem you sell for. You got to find the writer, the journalist, the channel 
that delivers content to that person and start understanding where they hit these journalists and what they write about um, and start following them and connecting with them, retweeting their stuff, liking their stuff on Instagram, really kind of easing your way in to their scene so that maybe come a day when you have to pitch them, they might recognize you or they might see that the only way in, in, in which you can actually pitch these people is through the channel. Um, sometimes finding an email address for a journalist or a writer is very difficult, but there are tricks. <laughs> One of which is if you go to Instagram and you find this editor or this journalist on Instagram, sometimes they'll put right in their bio or there's a button that says contact. You can actually email them sometimes and sometimes there's nothing there but you can direct message them. And I have a handful of times where I, for the life of me, could not find the contact information for a key journalist. And I messaged them directly either on Twitter or on Instagram. And they replied, they said, yep, sure, this sounds great. Here's my email address. How simple is that? So the thing about PR, it's an engine. It's a marathon. It's a process. I have some clients that are like, Renee, I thought my pitches were good. I've been doing this, you know, four or five times a week for the last two months and I have hardly got a win. It's like, it's a process. I'd say try two, two months, three months, try pitching 10 times a week for three months. And if you're not getting any wins, let's go back to your pitch. Let's go back to how you're approaching this. Let's go back to your product or service. Cause maybe people just don't even want it. And it's a process. So it's kind of like if you know anything about Facebook ads and you've just started using that as a platform, it takes about six months for Facebook to really start like getting it right for you. It takes tweaking, refining. It takes setting it, forgetting it, and coming back in a couple of weeks and seeing what's happening. With PR, it's the same thing. Now, unless you have a Rolodex of all of the connections in the world, then that's easy for you. Hurrah. But that never happens. It's an organic process. PR you can do for free for yourself. Um, it's just a matter of showing up every every day of the week, maybe not Saturday or Sunday, and really looking at the landscape, looking at Hero. So help a reporter out is a free um, program that you can subscribe to, and it sends you two or three emails a day of journalists that have requests for specific experts and advice. You're following hashtags on Twitter, like hashtag journal request or hashtag hero. A journalist saying, hey, I'm writing about, you know, purple hats. And I'm just wondering if anybody here is an expert in making purple hats. It's like, oh, geez, that's me. And then you kind of can pitch them about your expertise in making purple hats. Um, the other day, actually, while I was looking at opportunities for a client, I came across this woman who was writing an article for Refinery29 about why um, some women didn't change their last name when they got married. And I was like, oh, that's me. I didn't change my last name for many reasons. Um, and so I quickly replied with a little paragraph explaining why. The story went live. I shared it on Facebook. And I had so many people engaging with that piece of content. Now, it might not be hyper relevant to what I do for a living in coaching uh, women in business or doing PR, but what it did was it opened up, like, you know anything about social media? It opened up an incredible conversation that allowed people to engage with my content. And if we know anything about engagement, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, wherever, the moment there's a cue to Facebook, like, oh, this person's content is super relevant now those people will start seeing my content more often. 
And so now when I go start talking about business and PR in my programs, all of these people will see it more because they just finished engaging with that piece. Um, and so why PR seems so difficult is because you always have to be on and scanning and looking for opportunities, being creative, writing your story. So it's like looking on Twitter, making Twitter lists. Like these are all the people I want to retweet or pitch every day, taking a few minutes scrolling to see what's happening because the thing about PR, it can be very timely, right? Like I pitched somebody yesterday. She had a request for something that was due by noon. I only saw the request three hours later. And so that request on Harrow became closed. So I couldn't pitch her over the platform, but I found out who it was. Then I went back end and found her email address. And I just said to her, Hey, Angela, I hope it's not too late. Um, I know your request closed three hours ago, but I would love to um, introduce you to a client of mine that might be a good fit for this article. Um, could have worked, could have not. I don't know. That was yesterday afternoon. Um, but the thing about PR, it's a process of, refining your like refining the process and that's why i say don't start with the top tier publications because if you've never done it before then you're gonna screw up really potentially terrible pitches with really good publications and you don't want to do that <laughs> so i always, always say start <laughs> small work your way up individual pitches over email is typically the best way to reach these people or social media make sure you use their first name Spelling is important. Small 250 word pitch with a couple bullet points about why your product or service is good. One link to either your website or to a digital media kit. I use a Google Drive or Dropbox. Um, and that's it. And no mass pitches. No like making a list of 150 people and BCCing everyone and pitching them. That doesn't work at all. You'll get, you'll get blacklisted, your stuff will get sent to spam and it's a total waste of time. So that's why again, PR takes a while is because you're individually going out and finding these people, finding their contact information, individually pitching them with a unique angle that's suitable for just them. So I remember the other day I pitched, it was like two, three people. It took me two hours. Like if you think about the ROI of that, like, uh, why did it take me so long? Because I needed to make sure these were the right people to pitch and that my pitch was catered to them very specifically. Um, and then just finding the people sometimes takes forever too. And so I say, don't get intimidated, like do it, try the process for a few months and you'll start seeing results because you'll start seeing what works, what doesn't you start doing the research and like just making it a part of your routine. Just like, you know, people that are promoting their business, they're on social media. They're making reels, they're making TikToks, and they're showing up a few times a week. They know they got to be there. It's the same thing for PR. It's the exact same thing. I love that you gave kind of like a whole framework on like the sequence of events and how to do it. And um, one thing I've been curious about when you pitch via email, like you had mentioned, you know, doing like 250 words and, you know, just kind of a summary, I guess. If you, do you ever recommend, like, if you have an idea for an article to go ahead and write it and send it to them, mm -hmm. or would that, is that kind of wasted time? You should pitch the idea or ideas, mm -hmm. I guess, before actually writing something because maybe they want to. It depends which type of publication you're pitching. If you're pitching to be a contributed um, writer for a blog or something, that might make sense. But the thing about writers and journalists is they'll never, ever 
copy and paste an article to be reprinted or or shared in like a top publication. Um, And here's why. There's many reasons, but one of it is the writer still has to get that content approved by the editor. And the editor will come in and be like, yeah, I like this angle, but do it like say this, this, and this. And so if you're coming in already with a completed piece, it's kind of like, it's probably not going to work. Um, and so you have to just pitch the story, pitch the idea, and then they can make what they want of it. Um, and so for instance, for that refinery 29 piece, when she, she was, the writer was back and forth with me quite a lot. Um, and she ended up quoting about five, six different women in the piece. And so she wrote her piece and then she followed up her arguments with the quotes that she collected from other women. And, but the amount I wrote in the email was almost equivalent to half of an article. She only took out the pieces that were relevant to a specific point she was making in the article. So yes and no. Yes, if it's a contributed piece of content for a blog. No, if you're pitching journalists for top tier media. Okay, that makes sense. Um, And as far as finding journalists, relevant journalists, like you had said, you could go to social media, do hashtags or Haro um, or Haro, whatever. Um, but is there, what do you think of those websites mm-hmm. that are, I think like Hunt, Hunter is one. I forget the others, but yeah, so where you can like. IO is a good extension on Chrome where you can actually find people's email addresses. Um, but finding stories as simple as going to Google and using your keywords and then instead of clicking just search, you click news. So news, like what, how are these words showing up in the news today? And it's like, not only will you see the publications and what they're writing about, you'll find the, you'll find the journalists and the writers, right? They might find this girl named Sarah, who's writing about refurbished Ford trucks <laughs> and be like, oh, I didn't know about <laughs> this Sarah girl. And I didn't know. It. So this is cool. I'll add her to my, to my contacts. Right? So it's always scanning. It's looking at hashtags on Twitter. It's looking at hashtags on all social media. It's like, what are people saying about your keywords, about your industry? You'd be very specific. It could be lingerie. Right? So I have a client who's a, who sells the most beautiful lingerie. It's really comfortable bras and underwears for women. And obviously, because I don't think, well, maybe some men wear bras. But I have a Google Alerts for certain keywords, and one of which is lingerie. And I thought, oh, my inbox is going to be flooded. Turns out not a lot of people are writing about lingerie, but there's some really cool stories that come up. Like um, the latest one is Billie Eilish on the cover of Vogue. Uh, no green hair and she's wearing lingerie. It's like, whoa, right? It's like, how can we turn this into a potential story? Like, what are, what are the opportunities here? What, like, how can we be creative about this? Maybe it's as simple as just using our Twitter account to share the content. Or maybe it's beyond that. Maybe it's actually finding who that that writer is and seeing if this worthy of pitching them. So it's like it's always being on and looking and scanning the horizon for for ideas. Yeah, that that's good. I appreciate that. Um, I think that does help. Uh, I'll probably do that later today. Actually, like Google certain phrases or sentences mm. or keywords and see what pops up. I'm going to try that out and start building that list up of potential journalists. Um, uh, I, one thing that I think, because I, I, I have your book in my Amazon cart. I haven't bought it yet because I've got like 100 books in my Amazon cart, but I was looking at kind of the table of contents and yeah. um, 
One thing that interested me was being prepared once the media comes knocking. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of go into that? Oh, well, I can tell you a story about this client named Andrew. Oh, Andrew. That's his actual name. Um, He was one of those clients. And I tell you, like, there's like the best and there's the worst clients. The best clients are the ones that are actually organized and engaged and ask questions and want reports and want all these things to know what's going on. The worst clients are the ones that pay the bill and don't show up, don't answer emails, don't do anything. They're the worst clients. Um, he was in the middle, this guy named Andrew. But let me tell you the story. We got the first couple of weeks with him, amazing. He showed up, total download of all the content we needed. And we're like, hey, let's, we're going to use this. Then we're going to start doing our work. Give us time to pitch, craft the stories, find the people. And then we had a specific date for him to launch. So we were working towards this go live date where we're just deploying all of these pitches to all of these contacts and just seeing if there's like um, exclusives and like all these things. Working our butts off, we started getting wins, like big wins, like TechCrunch and all this stuff. And they're like, we would love to get Andrew on a phone call. I have some clarification, all this stuff. We could not get a hold of Andrew. We're like, where is he? Did something happen to him? Couldn't find him on. He was not active on social. He wasn't picking up his phone. He wasn't answering his emails. We're trying to get in touch with his friends. And after about a week, um, one of his colleagues replied and said, oh, um, Andrew went on a one month African safari and is offline. He's not available. And I'm like, does he know we're actively? And like, not only is that just not cool, that looked so bad on us. Because now we have to go back to our contacts and saying, yeah, I'm sorry, our client is actually unavailable. So terrible. So the whole point of being ready is here's the thing, is if you're pitching for a launch and how that's different is if they're launching your business and you currently have hardly any, like there's zero media coverage and then all of a sudden you're trying to get all of the media coverages, you have to be available. You have to be available to show up for podcasts. You have to be available to show up for phone calls as they come in. You have to be confident in talking and speaking like the way that we are on this podcast. Imagine being like reserved and shy and scared, it just make for a bad conversation. So that's why it's like the company spokesperson typically needs to be the founder if it's a small business. Um, and if it's a bigger organization, then you find somebody who is articulate, who is confident, who is approachable, who can share the story and answer the questions with confidence. And that's a process. Because when you're first starting out, you're still figuring out your messaging. You don't know your elevator pitch. It changes all the time. One day it's this, the next day it's that. But you have to get your SHIT together because if the big wigs are coming, like Vogue and Wired, if they're calling you, you have to be ready because this might be your only shot to make it into that publication. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if you know that there's a launch coming or you're working with a PR firm or did your own PR outreach, uh, you need to be not doing a one month African journey or whatever. <laughs> do that <laughs> after, do that either right? before or after. <laughs> well, and here's the thing too, about outreach is, I mean, I've worked with hundreds of people now and teaching them PR, doing their PR. And on average, I'd say there's about 40 to 50 pitches that go out before anybody replies or says anything. And we've pitched there was one company last June, I pitched 180 contacts over the course of three months with one win. 
And it's not like her product was bad. It, here's, there's so many reasons and like nuances to this. First of all, another example, we had an exclusive with TechCrunch years ago. So an exclusive means we've pitched other media, maybe we've pitched one particular outlet and we offered them the first right to run the story 24 hours before anyone else is allowed to. So they said, yeah, this is great. We'll get the exclusive. And then anybody else after 24 hours can write about the story. Exclusives are kind of hard to manage, but if you're in this space and you're organized, you can get it done. And why it's important is because the reason why you offer an exclusive is it's an incentive for that publication because they're like, well, you know, who else is writing about this? I don't want to write it if business insiders are going to write it too. Like we want the first right to publish the story. So anyway, we, um, and this is going to tell you how long ago this was. We had an exclusive set up for one of our clients and we were so excited about it. We told them about it. Everyone's hyped up for this day to come. And then guess what happens that morning? Google decides to announce that they're changing the name of their company to the Alphabet Company. That's it. And that was like, whoa, the media took this, picked this piece up and took it by storm. And now everyone was talking about this, how it wasn't Google Inc. It's like Alphabet Inc. Now, our exclusive didn't happen. The journalist wrote back saying, hey, I'm sorry, this new announcement came out. That's my focus for the next day. We can't run it today. We lost that opportunity. And not only did we lose that opportunity because we were so hinged on this thing happening, we didn't actually set up plan B. And so now we're like squirreling around the office trying to figure out who can we follow up with? How do we get? The, and it just ended up being this vortex of disappointment for everybody. Um, so a lot of lessons there. Most, most exclusive only happens for, um, I wouldn't say bigger companies, but there, there's a lot to unpack with exclusives. For me, if I had to give one piece of advice with PR is like, do the things that I suggested, but pitch 10 contacts a week and do that every week for at least two months before you decide if this is going to work for you or not. It's a volumes game. It's a quality. What happens is it ends up being the right person, the right time, the right story, right? Another example, we had a really cool uh, mattress company that we worked with. And what's important for mattress companies is to get into consumer reports. Right. It's like the review, the ultimate, like non, um, like it's, it's the big review magazine. Um, and we pitched the contact there and he goes, well, the timing is bad. We want to include you in our mattress summary, but the deadline for this was yesterday. And I, I'm like uh, 365 days a year. We pitched them the day after this thing shuts down. And I was like, come on, that was like 12 hours ago. Any way we can get in? He goes, no, no, we can't do that. It was done. Those are closed. We can't get you in this article that's going to run in a couple months. That would have been the biggest win for this company. And he goes, there's always next year. And I'm like, our contract runs out with this company in six months. There's not always next year. Um, and so it's a timing thing. And you think about like, okay, I want to start. Mm, here's a good example. If you want to look at any of the big media companies, um, big uh, print magazines, for instance, go online and look at their editorial calendar. So they give you about a minimum three, six months. So six months out from a particular theme is when you need to start pitching them. Um, for instance, 
Christmas time promotions for all of these publications start to wrap up in July. In July, Thanksgiving content, or sorry, uh, Valentine's Day content, which is February 14th, starts being published before Christmas. It's like pretty soon we're going to be celebrating Christmas next year on December 26th. And here's why publications do this. The Valentine's Day example is because it is such good SEO because no one's looking for Valentine's Day stuff in December, especially December 15th. But when it's like inching towards the time of year where you want to actually think of Valentine's Day gift ideas for your wife or your husband, guess what article is going to rank the highest? The one that already had a lot of traffic, the one that has already put in all the right keywords that was published in December. And so if you're actually on this journey to pitch your product or service to get coverage, don't expect your pitches for a launch that goes out next week to even happen. You need at least two months, at least two months. Yeah. So we, we'd have clients be like, Hey, we want to start working with you. We launch on Monday. I'm like, yeah, bye. You couldn't pay me enough money to work for you right now. No, it takes a lot of time. And we had one, one project we worked on was a Kickstarter at the time ended up being the fastest fashion or the fastest funded fashion Kickstarter in history. We had a goal of, I think it was like a hundred thousand dollars. And we reached that in the first three hours of the Kickstarter going live. And by the time the whole month was up, we had raised over $450,000 for this, this watch company that was made out of whiskey barrels. And when we went and we did a postmortem, the reason why we were so successful is because we spent over two months getting ready to pitch and to get influencers and get the right people lined up for the entire month the Kickstarter was live. And so we got the right people in place and there was a big team working on this. So we crushed our goals because of that. Yeah, that that's good information or good to have in mind that you need to be thinking like a minimum of two months, if not up to six months out before, um, yeah, making sure things line up correctly at the right time, uh, especially if it's mm -hmm. like related to Christmas or some other holiday. Um, mm -hmm. So is the We Wild Women, that's your website, is that your PR agency or your business coaching? Yeah, it's it's business and PR coaching. So I don't do agency type work much anymore. It depends if there's a good client that comes in and they're just all the pieces line up. I'll take on maybe two a month to do that type of work. Um, but I mostly do business coaching. So I help early stage women in business um, launch, market, and grow their, their business. And I do PR coaching sometimes for those clients, but the PR coaching is specifically for people who want to learn how to do it themselves or if they want to train somebody on their team to do the PR for their company. Okay, cool. And that's at wewildwomen.com. And I'm also going to have show notes with links to different things we've talked yeah. about, including your book um, at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Renee Warren. Um, was there anything else you wanted to cover or go over before we ended? No, but well, sure. Yes. One thing is if you really want to get started, I'll send you the link. Um, there is, I have a free do-it-yourself media kit. And why this is great mm. first start is that it's a beautiful organized package of how to create your media kit. But what comes along with it is an actual email sequence 
of how to use it. And so it's a very inform informative um, tactics and strategy to get started on this journey outside of everything I just downloaded on you today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, awesome. So you'll send me the link to that and I, or is it on yeah. your website? I'll link to it as well in the show notes. So. Yeah, I'll send you the link for um, sure. Well, awesome. Well, well, cool. Well, I appreciate your time today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love chatting about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I, I loved all the information you were giving me. And now I kind of have a game plan or framework, I guess, for, for how to pitch different journalists and blogs and newspapers and magazines and all of that fun stuff. So I appreciate it. <laughs> it's a journey. Good luck. <laughs> if you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, Share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.